<laughs> a bit like track by track, really. You could just describe them all with a few words. Set out the stall. Really um, got stuck in. Lifted. Talk about the fantastic album artwork. We're out of time. <laughs> oh, well, if you boil it down like that, we could just do it in five minutes in the future. <laughs> oh, that'd be absolutely heaven. <laughs> Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where we take a brilliant pop music album and break it down track by track. Which is more than acceptable in the teenies and various other decades. And on the turntable this week, it's Calvin Harris with I Created Disco. Uh, this is an album that has been on the long list for a while. And I think by a country mile, the album we wanted to talk about by Calvin Harris. Definitely. And this is one of the ones we're slowly ticking off all the albums that we hinted about on our teaser episode at the start of the year after our break. And this is one of those albums. And this is, it's a wonderful slice, slice. <laughs> it's a wonderful slice of electronic dance pop with a really cool, trendy edge. A bit like your dress sense, Dan. Oh, thank you very much, Will. That's very kind. I'm waiting for the second part of that compliment, the backhand. You have part. those, you have those wonderful like bell-bottom flared uh, trousers, uh, sandals with socks, yeah, uh, a, a big kipper tie, and a trilby. I I started the hipster movement. I am the original hipster, and you will, you remind me a little bit more of uh, Jill Tyrrell with all your reds and pinks. Hiya, Cal. Oh. And I do like to go running in my knickers and a bra. <laughs> Oh dear. So yeah, we're going to be talking about Calvin Harris today. So he's had a meteoric rise to fame and success uh, from starting out as a as a much smaller time Scottish DJ and producer um, and born as Adam Richard Wiles, professionally known as Calvin Harris. And I have to uh, say, Will, so just to put in there, this, I didn't know until today that that wasn't his real name. Really? Mm. Actually, I don't think I did either. Oh. So I wouldn't be too surprised about it. Uh, and I remember, Dan, can you remember about how you first came to know and hear Calvin Harris and his music? Well, it, it definitely was this album and the, the huge singles from this album that, of course, we're going to talk about more later. But Acceptable in the 80s and the girls were just everywhere, weren't they, at this time? And this was the time of this kind of this style, I suppose, of dance music and homemade dance music, but also a lot of... Um, new rave music like the klaxons and things like that and although they're quite different they kind of for me in my head and they were, they were all around in 2007 it is all just of one time I remember it was I think Pop Justice were a massive champion of Calvin Harris and his work and his sound and slightly uh, off the wall approach to the music industry as well really struck chords with them at the time and that was definitely my way in. I think they were massive champions of uh, Acceptable in the 80s. Mm. And then it all kind of came on from there. But look at where he is now. He's a huge international DJ and producer. He's worked with the best acts in the world. A supermodel girlfriend, uh, fast cars, millions of pounds in the bank, 
posing in his knickers on the on uh, underwear campaigns. Uh, and also, we we should probably mention uh, the elephant in the room as well, <laughs> posing without his knickers on. And it was never confirmed that that was his uh, uh, phallus. And probably the less said about that, the better. Actually, this, this is a this is a music podcast. Well, it's not uh, it's not for smut and uh, tales. Yes, if you want smut and innuendo, you can go onto UK Gold and watch Are You Being Served, which is absolutely lovely. Uh, for some wonderful pussy jokes. I had to saw my pussy out before I came. <laughs> so, Calvin Harris, uh, born in 1984. It's always lovely when somebody significantly younger than you uh, is much more successful. I wouldn't know. He's, he's much older than me, but carry on, Will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's from Scotland uh, and he has had five albums uh so far but he's also produced for a lot of other artists he's remixed for tons of artists and at the moment i am loving him all over again because he's got a side project called love regenerator which is specializing in 90s uh inspired uh dance records and it's absolutely brilliant and actually dan i think it's not too early for it if we're lucky is it it's never too early will so I'm going to play a little bit of that just to get us warmed up, loosen us up a little bit uh, and get us ready for a brilliant album. So this is Love Regenerator, a.k.a. Calvin Harris. Well, you get the idea with that. I'm absolutely knackered now. Well, can we just call it a day? Why? What have you been doing? Well, I got I got a bit too much into that one. You are prancing around the room like a, uh, a club head. <laughs> so, back to the task in hand, which is celebrating and enjoying I Created Disco. And I just want to point out, of course, there's always a tenuous link. Why are we talking about this album this week? Well, it is 13 years ago this week since The Girls was released as a single from this album. Thank you, Dad. No episode is complete without some mumbo-jumbo about why we're talking about it. Exactly. So let's get stuck in with side one, track one now. And this is what you suggested to the boy in the chip shop uh, once he'd finished cleaning out the fryers at the end of the night. Merry making at my place. So that was merrymaking at my place. I think it's actually really good that we showed Calvin Harris's latest work just before we played this song because they are so different, aren't they? I know, it's incredible the journey that he's gone on. And I think for me, I love the new stuff he's doing as Love Regenerator. And I, but the best, and this probably isn't the last time I'm going to say this today, is this album. I love the sound because it's a little bit more rawer. It's a little bit more rough around the edges, but it's also very of its time as well. And I didn't mention it when I was doing the, the preliminary blurb, but this album, Dan, can you believe it? 
was released in 2007 now. Uh, I can because just before we started, I said that The Girls was released as a single in 2007. So I would have assumed that the album was not far off. <laughs> you cheeky little bugger. <laughs> <laughs> so as an album opener, Will, how is this one for you? I love it because I love the way the bass kicks in first and you've kind of got a real funky bass to start off with before the synth start the synth kicks in and then he starts singing as well because I guess this is something to mention as well you don't get on some of the more recent Calvin Harris albums is he's doing a lot of the vocals here yeah that is yeah that's got to be the biggest difference since well not too long really after this album he you know, he didn't need to sing anymore. He could have Rihanna singing for him or Kelis or whoever else. Uh, but yeah, on here, not all of the songs do have vocals as well, but it is, he is the only vocalist on the album. And that's strange in a way for a Calvin Harris album. Uh, but for me, that adds to the charm of it as well. Yes, definitely. I love the title of the track as well, Merry Making at My Place. You, There is no one else out there that would probably would have called an album something like that. It's very specific to him. Definitely. But I like the term. I think next time we can all meet up when, well, I mean, at the time of recording, we're still, we're still in lockdown. I want to iCal you with merrymaking at my place, which is a lovely term. Because uh, it doesn't mean sex. I mean, no. It's about having fun, having a party. And in fact, there were so many references to drugs in the album version that it was re-edited, uh, not just re-edited, changed some of the lyrics as well to be a bit cleaner for when it was a single because this was the third single from the album. Yes, and there's a there's a line about all the stuff that we've been taking. Um, I was just assuming they were taking a few trips to the tip or something like that. <laughs> oh, what do so you mean? Like old cushions, uh, a mattress that the springs have gone in. Hedge uh, trimmings. And, yeah, uh, old jigsaws. Yes, and hopefully not fly tipping because there's been a lot of that during lockdown and it's, it's not very nice. I don't think Calvin, you know, he's from Scotland. I'm sure he loves the countryside. I'm sure he wouldn't do that. Um, but before we move on from this one, I just want to say I've been gabbing on about stuff. I've not actually talked about the sound of the song. I love how this one is driven by the bass. I love the laser-like synths that are throughout it. And I love how it's quite uh, minimalist in a way. Yep, he doesn't throw everything in the kitchen sink in. And I think it's fair to say that's often the case with tracks on this album. His later work, I would say some tracks feel a little overwrought with things going on in them overbaked perhaps yep overbaked overwrought there's only one thing worse than a soggy bottom and that's a bottom that's too hard and too firm oh yes absolutely uh, what are we talking about here food or cake, cake overbaked oh yeah a crusty a crusty bottom <laughs> so let's move on have now. a wash <laughs> to track two and this is colours So that was Colours. He's clearly a fan of Colours. A bit like you, I mentioned right at the start about you liking your pinks and reds like Jill Tyrrell, but you are also a fan of bright, bold colours, aren't you, in your, in your clothing? Life's too short to be muted and dull. Yes, oh, well, very well said. And you do actually remind me sometimes of 
when sort of a, a hippie vicar is having a day off, or maybe a day on the beach. You like to um, some lovely bright patterns and colours, which is absolutely lovely. Well, there are worse things than a hippie vicar. Absolutely. And let's not like mention a, any of them now. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think of the song Colours? I absolutely love this one. I think there's really nice fuzzy synths throughout this one, which kind of weren't so present in the first song. My absolute favourite bit of this song is the kind of the beginning of the chorus as it builds up the uh, the bass and the synths work together really well. Um, and it reminds me a lot of the Visage song, Fade to Grey, which was also very similar to, or what I'm about to say was very similar to that, uh, Kelly Osbourne, one word. Which we have discussed before as we are uh, real fans of that. We love that song and then we thought about doing the album and then we listened to it and then we thought, let's just talk about the song sometimes instead. And then we thought, it's a great single. Yes, what a fantastic time to talk about nothing but that single. This is worth noting for this album, because normally we go through, sometimes it's quite complicated to talk about the different co-writers and producers for each track on some of the albums that we discuss. Dead easy this week, yeah. because everything was written, recorded, produced and performed by Mr. Harris. Yeah, which is such a such a rare thing, especially nowadays when you know there is so much people are able to collaborate. Even right now in lockdown, people are collaborating online. Uh, and of course, this was how many years ago? Was this 13 years ago, did we say? But I think the internet was around then, wasn't it? Just yes. about. <laughs> 2007, it was definitely around. But And Facebook would have been around as well. No Instagram, though, back then, I wouldn't have thought. No, or maybe if it was, it was in a very crude form. Yeah. Uh, Bebo maybe was quite big then. Did you have a Bebo? No, I had a MySpace. Ah, funny you should say MySpace, actually, because that is how... Uh, Calvin Harris was spotted by someone who was um, a, uh, he worked in the biz we should say and he was just about to launch his own label and he spotted uh, Calvin on, on MySpace so he was one of his first signings so thank the I Lord for MySpace I, I get well I, I expect A&R must have been really great in the MySpace years because it was such a wealth of talent and with one place to go to access it absolutely well I guess it's similar now with Twitter Instagram Arguably, there's too, maybe there's too much out there now. I mean, there's some people that I've got on Instagram who post uh, music videos, and I hope they don't listen to the, this podcast because, uh, Christ, they're awful. Some of them really are terrible. Some well, professionals. Well, I think they class themselves as uh, new professionals, but uh, they, they sound worse than when you and I are singing, Will. Oh, we've had some great harmonising as featured on this podcast. Yeah. Albeit accidentally and uh, more often <laughs> not than harmonising. But yeah, sometimes it's worked its way in. So, should we move on to track three? Let's move on to track number three now. And this is... The Industry. <laughs>
So here we go into another uh, venture into the world of uh, us trying to describe funny noises on uh, pop songs because I love some noises on there, but it's like a ticking noise. Mm. Um, and I love that sort of guitar, electronic guitar, or electric guitar, if you will, <laughs> uh, that powers through it as well. Yeah, let's, yeah, we should really compare notes on how we described that. Um, I, I really like the bouncy synths in there. I think there's some really nice warm layers. It made me think that this is definitely electropop and sort of electropop dance, but it's very funk as well because that guitar that you mentioned, it's kind of got, it's got an edge to it, but it adds a bit of funk to it as well for me. Um, and I love the kind of speak and spell sort of style. And we've talked about that in the songs before by bands like Pet Shop Boys, Two Divided by Zero. Really like it when bands put that into their music. And Dan, hmm? we are in the industry. You are in the industry. And we actually are in the industry. Well, I think the song's written about us, you know, we're very much a part of the industry now. With a beating heart, with the sarcastic conscience. And Will, just a quick question to you, uh, off topic. Are you recording in an aviary this week? It sounds like you're <laughs> surrounded by bird song. I can hear a small thrush, I think, in the background there. No, I think, just spy on my balcony, it's a chaffinch, or it could ah. be a thrush. Perhaps a tit? A couple of couple of tits there. <laughs> Goodness me, they are going for it, aren't they? They're singing louder than you and I. <laughs> They're very musical, but it's very sunny out there today. Um, and I have got the window open still, even though we normally shut because it's so hot in this apartment. Uh, but I think it adds a nice bit of ambiance. Well, I might go and have to crack mine open because I'm about to perspire to death. So while I do that, should we listen to track number four? Let's listen to the girls. I like them short girls. I like them brown hair girls. I like them blonde hair girls. I like them big girls. I like them skinny girls. I like them carrying a little bitty weight girls. So we've now arrived at one of the first iconic Calvin Harris tracks. Yeah, it really, that, it's just, you know, anthemic is probably the biggest word I could use to describe that. If you like pop music, if you like dance music, if you like electronic music, if you like vintage music, if you like catchy music, etc, etc. Uh, I love, I don't know why, but I, one of the, these, a little, a little pop peccadillo that I have is like list songs where they name different sorts of things like the girls like uh the Lizo track as well yes uh like uh mambo number five <laughs> do not even consider saying if we're lucky dot 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 uh, no 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 <laughs> i've got something for this one anyway like along those lines uh but it's like it feels like a real anthem and i remember when this came out and it was played in the pubs and clubs. You would people would sing would sing along to this. Yeah, it's one of those songs that's just taken on a life of its own, hasn't it? It could you could not know anything about Calvin Harris, not know who did this song, but you would just know this song. 
And I think especially people of, I was going to say our age then, people around our age, maybe a bit older, maybe a bit younger, you just remember this song being everywhere. And will this song, Pete at number three, do you know what was number one and two? No, but you do. So over to you. Over to me. Thank you very much. And as we mentioned before, this was 13 years ago this week. So at number two was uh, Real Girl by Mutia Buena, which was a great solo single. I really enjoyed that one. Um, and number one, as it was for many, many weeks, was Rihanna with Umbrella. Rhiannon. <laughs> uh, a worthy, a worthy track to uh, to beat him to the top spot. Little did he know, or little would he have known at the time, that he was going to then go on to work with uh, the young lady herself. Well, of course, yeah. I imagine he probably wouldn't have even fathomed it at that time. Um, one thing about this song, I just it makes me think of. Um, I just can just imagine this live going off. Have you ever seen him live, Will? Not to the best of my recollection. Likewise, I think surely he must have popped up at a festival or Glastonbury or something like that. I don't remember seeing him there. But I think, yeah, festival on a hot summer's late afternoon and this song coming into the set, I imagine it is just something else. I have I have seen him, though, in, uh, in the early days, around this time, I went. I went to a. Uh, uh, it was a pop justice uh, like s- small club night that they put on, and it was Siobhan from uh, the Sugar, Sugar Babes, Babes uh, performing some solo stuff. And there was another act there that I can't remember, but he was there and was kind of like just coolly hanging at the bar and at the back while it was all going on. But he was clearly there. To, to experience the music that was being played there. And mm. I remember he just looked like any other guy that was there in a T-shirt with a funny, a funny thing on at the time. Obviously, you look at him now, and he looks like a superstar. Mm. Oh, God, he looks completely different, doesn't he? Stunning. Oh, you a fan? No, 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 no. Oh, he's, he's fine. <laughs> I'm sure he'll uh, take that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, I had a t-shirt, just the t-shirts you mentioned, and we were talking before about um, the colours and all that kind of thing. I had a t-shirt that said, I what's it called? I love New Rave or something like that. And it was all in like bright colours and blocky fonts. I used to love that one. I used to wear that out a lot. I bet you thought you were the dog's bollocks. Absolutely, yeah. I used to wear it and I used to think it's quite plain. You know, I'm not overdressed. I'm not underdressed. My t-shirt and my trainers. Uh, my, my jeans and my trainers. Um, yeah, good times. So are we talking about... Calvin Harris live as well. He, right at the beginning of his career, around about this time, he supported Faithless and Groove Armada. So I imagine they were amazing tours. And I imagine he was quite a, a cool but quite different opening act because he's not really like either of them, is he? But he I'd is... have loved to have seen that whole lineup though, all together. Yeah. What a oh, night. That would have been incredible. And uh, my favourite fact around researching for this album and this song in particular, and as we said before, I don't don't use Wikipedia as an academic source, but I just stumbled upon it. And one of the facts about this song is that the track is often related to fictional EastEnders characters Ronnie and Roxy Mitchell. That oh, was it. that's right up your street or round your square. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so a couple more things from me on this track. First of all, it was covered and reversed by uh, electropop group that we I love, that we talked about on the podcast before, Dragonette. So they did a cover of this and called The Boys. Uh, and if we're lucky, let's hear a little bit of that now. I like them short boys. I like them brown-haired boys. I like them blonde boys. 
I like them big boys. I like them skinny boys. I even like those scrawny Scottish into pop music, but not like sort of like pop dance electro music. I love that cover. I thought it was the most incredible, funnest take at the time on that. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's, it's not too far removed from the original. It's just a kind of a twist on it. Uh, but her vocals are really nice on it as well. Next one? Yes, let's do it. So track number five. It's another banger. It's another anthem. Acceptable in the 80s. So that was acceptable in the 80s. And just like the girls, that song really is, it's just its own thing, isn't it? It's got a life of its own now. Uh, and that was reminds me of a very specific time back in the mid-noughties, 2007, of just in London, going out, having a laugh, loving music, loving life. Uh, and that was one of my favourite songs. And again, when you were out in the pubs, and that came on. Everyone would uh, move their heads to the beats in it as well. And of course, back then, everyone had the floppy hair. So it would all just go oh, around yeah. everywhere. Uh, and the chunky belts as well. Your hair's quite floppy now because you're growing it out, as you recently revealed in OK Magazine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, Actually, uh, a... that's a good question, Dan. If you could uh, do an at-home spread in any of the magazines, what, what do you think would be the right... Uh, market for you i think okay is probably punching a bit high well i think mine would be something like 25 beautiful homes or good housekeeping um, I, I was thinking yours would be more like uh what's that magazine uh, take a break <laughs> no your yours would be love it i think <laughs> and we've mentioned this before listeners but there's a twitter feed called uh take a shite is it take a shite yeah something like that and they show the best slash worst bits of those kind of magazines. And they always show the front cover of Love It magazine and just write Love It because how could anyone love that magazine and the kind of stories that are on the front cover? Quite gruesome stories, some yes. of them. Are really horrible. But you have made, what, £400 now from selling a few of yours. So, well, the if, there's, if there's money, if there's, if there's blame, there's a claim. If there's. Uh... <laughs> And it turns out it was your stepdad to blame, wasn't it? <gasps> um, which magazine did you did you tell us which magazine you would uh, sell your story I, to? I think for me, probably uh, Heat magazine. No, Grazia, actually. I was thinking TV hits. <laughs> anyway, this track is brilliant. I think this is a was a brilliant launch pad for him because it's so catchy. Love the video as well. Do you know what? I can't remember the video at all. I can't remember any of these videos. It was very bold colours, juxtaposed uh, with people wearing bold colours. Um, and there was an, I think it was like an otter or something, a stuffed otter that people were dancing around with. And the two scientists were operating on. 
and all sorts of things were going on. And Calvin was in there, super cool, just kind of moving slightly with sunglasses on. So I think he's kind of set the right tone there from the word go. And he is quite a fan of an otter's pocket or two, isn't he? So that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> a stuffed well, yes, he otter's is. pocket. <laughs> he's done very well for himself on that front. He likes all the girls. Um, Will, can you think, what's your favourite thing that was acceptable in the 80s that isn't acceptable anymore? Bum bags. <laughs> well, at a festival, you can't you, you can't live without one, can you? Yeah, I've got a lovely tie-dye one. I wouldn't dare wear it up the high street here, but at a festival, it's uh, no holes barred. That's one of my favourite things about a festival. Just that a festival is how I wish everyday life was, not only because of drinking throughout the day, but just sort of wearing what you want and no one giving a hoot. I mean, some people do that anyway, and, and we all should do that anyway, but at a festival, it's just anything goes. Uh, you can let it all hang out at a festival, and you actually did last year at Glastonbury, well, which was, was a bit much. Very hot, and there wasn't much to hang out really anyway, so... Uh, well, that's, you were trying to do the helicopter, weren't you, to get a breeze going? <laughs> Budgie. Sadly, even a midget was able to fly past without getting knocked off its course, so uh, not too much of a breeze. And it's a long time since there's been a midge anywhere near there. Um, so, back to the song. Let's get back to the song. What I love about this song is, of course, it references the 80s and it's 80s influenced, but it's not particularly 80s sounding, is it? I don't think. It does sound very of 2007. Yeah, it's. I think it just. It's just brilliant. I li- listened to it just listening to it just then. Um, I was still bopping around. Still loved it. It hasn't kind of gotten old. And sometimes we play a track, and it's like a nice memory, but you don't actually really it doesn't stay with you afterwards. Now, in fact, I'd argue that some of Calvin's later work has probably aged more than this first album. Yeah, this has probably come back round again. Yeah, on the giddy does. carousel of pop. Yeah. That's not us, that's someone else. <laughs> great, I, great name for a podcast. It would be, or a Pet Shop Boys song. Just to mention for this, not just this track, but all the singles on the album that were remixed, a real high calibre from the word go of remix talent. You had Groove Armada, artists like Tom Neville, Dead Mouse, many big names in the dance music world were already queuing up, which shows a lot about the impact they had. And actually one of the things I meant to say right at the start of the episode is that even before he'd released this album, he'd already started remixing for other artists. So he remixed All Saints Rocksteady, which was a fantastic song, and it's a great remix, and it's available on streaming services. And he also remixed uh, Kelisa's 4th of July Fireworks, which is one of my favourite songs of hers. Who we later went on to work with. Of course, yeah. Bounce, wasn't it? Mm. In fact, we haven't done Kelisa, have we? We'll have to put that on the long list. No, Flesh Tone. Hmm. So, track number six now, uh, and it's time for some Neon Rocks. Dan, you asked me while this track was playing, is this about drugs? I did. What do you think? 
I think there may certainly be reference to drugs. Of course, it wouldn't be the first time we did say about how the first track was edited for radio. So uh, do you know the do you know the truth? Well, I, I don't. But just looking at some of the lyrics, uh, I keep my secret stash in the drawer, sparking up my neon rocks. I think it's there's something in that. Mm. Hopefully he's uh, sorted himself out now. Living a cleaner lifestyle. Uh, but I love the bounce in this track. Yeah, me too. And I think it's definitely, there is, there's definitely a sound to this album. Um, and this is definitely part of it. It does feel more like an album track. If you compare it to the last two songs, the huge hit singles, you can see why they were and why this was an album track. But it's still in keeping with that sound. My favourite sound on this album is right at the start uh, and how it how the song opens up it's a sound that is so similar to how the song rio by duran duran starts oh, and duran duran tick yeah I've, i'll get spice girls in later don't worry and that sound was by them was created by they had an old um grand piano and they threw i can't remember what it was now they threw something heavy onto the strings and then the sound that that made they stretched out and reversed it that is the kind of fact you'll only get on a podcast like Track by Track or some Duran Duran documentary or other. Um, but it's very, <laughs> very, very similar. It wouldn't surprise me if Calvin was influenced by that sound. I can imagine him being that, being mm. so influenced. Yes, definitely. But uh, there's reference as well to pink neon socks, I think, or something like that. Again, it's reminded me of the clothes we wore, the, the, the neon chunky buckled belts and all that kind of thing. The cardigans uh, and, and the klaxons. Those lovely lads. Do we move on? Yes, so track number seven, Traffic Cops. This is just a little ditty, isn't it? Yes, just a little something, and you can hear it. We're just playing it in beneath what uh, we're talking at the moment. So maybe we should talk a little bit quieter. Maybe we should talk louder to talk over. Oh, I don't know. Uh, but it's very much a wall of sound for almost a minute, uh, which is uh, which I don't hate. No, I think it's... Uh, I, I like the idea that because he did craft his own sounds, perhaps this is just something that didn't work in a song, but he just likes... The noise he wants to put it out there as part of the album. Mm. I, I always think these little interludes uh, do add to the feeling that of you listening to an album as an experience rather than just 10, 15 tracks all shunted into a, an order. That's why we do this podcast, well, isn't it? Track by track. Track number eight. Uh, and Dan, mm? we're off to Vegas. That's right. I've got my drugs and my stuff and my pills. I've got my girls and my boys and my girls So that was Vegas and I have to just talk about the elephant in the room copyright Alexandra Burke um, oh no, not not the not his ring ding a ding ding dong. Oh no no no, not that elephant. It's very acceptable in the eighties. This song, isn't it? It's almost uh, the 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 sibling of. Almost like acceptable in the eighties, part two. Yes, exactly. Is that was that is that, is it obvious? Is it just me, or is it quite obvious? No, it does have uh, undertones of that, but I think it's very much a song in its own right, though. And talking about you know what many people love is the kind of Vegas experience. And so much so that uh, Calvin Harris has 
continues to have a string of very lucrative contracts to DJ and perform at many different night spots in Vegas. Good for him. Yeah, well, he must be raking it in. I was going to say, he must be quite pricey, but it's not like your local £10 per hour DJ for the Village Hall, which is what I used to do, actually, for a short while. How much did you get? Well, actually, no, I was £10 an hour. £10 an hour plus £10 for uh, packing up and shutting up. So not not me shutting up on the microphone. I did too much talking, actually, as you can imagine. But, well, yeah, uh, it was probably like the uh, where track by track the seeds were sown for a career in front of a microphone. I know all the kids wanted to do was Agadoo in the Macarena, and I was telling them what year the song was released, how it came about, what I thought of it, the album artwork. Duran Duran. Duran Duran and Spice Girls, no matter what the occasion. But happy times. And maybe we'll and- set up a track-by-track touring roadshow. Oh, like the Radio 1 Roadshow, visiting the seaside towns of the UK across the that- summer. That'd be heaven, wouldn't it? Well, that'd be wonderful. Uh, did you get a free run at the bar? Well, yes, I think it would depend where it was, but sometimes some of the hosts... We're more generous than others, let's say. Absolutely bladdered. Mm-hmm. Lovely. And as I started doing it, I was 13 as well. So, uh, Oh, lovely. Explains a lot. Yeah. Liver disease. Uh, <laughs> this is one of my favourite tracks on the album. That Really? It's, yeah. It's one of my least favourite, I think, just because it is. I just feel like it is too acceptable in the 80s. But having said that... I. I I can completely understand why it sounds so similar. And I'm sure there is an element of he wanted it to be like that. But also, you know, this young whippersnapper was just creating all of this album on his own and using quite limited gear from what I can um, from, from what I can understand. When I say gear, I do mean tech and not drugs, to be clear. So there are going to be some similarities. He used an Amiga computer mm. with an Octomed audio tracker. In his home studio. Imagine what you could do now in a home studio on your own compared to in 2007. Things have gone, I mean, so fast things have escalated. Well, I've got a lovely tenuous link here, actually, Will. I read recently that the lovely Kylie Minogue is using how to learn logic in lockdown because she's wanting to master her own vocals for the next album that she's working on. And of course, Kylie worked with Calvin Harris or vice versa on... What was that one called? Not in your eyes. In what was that song called? Together. In how does it feel? In my my in my arms. In my arms. Which has a lot of a similar sound to some of the tracks on this album, actually. Well, that album came out in two thousand and seven, the same year as this one, so it was, makes a lot of sense. Let's just take a second just to compare. Let's have a hmm. listen. I love that. That was always has been one of my favourite Kylie singles. And again, I think that was single number two. Really think she does a fantastic single number two. Not a fantastic number two, to be quite clear. <laughs> You've been picking through her drains. <laughs> like uh, little fox droppings. <laughs> Disgusting. Track number nine now. And Dan. Yeah. I create a disco. Wow. 
Okay, so that was I Created Disco. And that has to be an absolute banger of a track. A great track and a great title as well. I just love a good title. Uh, obviously, it's the title track from the album as well. But um, it's bold. the title is bold, just like the song. But ironically, not too disco, actually, this one. It's more more of the kind of electro-funk sound. Yeah, I, I was thinking that. And I wrote down in my notes, could be a little bit more disco-y yeah. for a song called I Created Disco. I mean, it's great. I love it. But the disco elements are a little less prevalent. Mm, definitely. And if uh, if he just wants some feedback, he knows where to come now. I think he's fine. I think he's yeah, pretty doing all right. And I love that there's some really recognisable sounds that he's kind of been scattering across this project. And also that there are tracks where he does the vocal himself and then there are tracks where they are just instrumentals. Uh, and this is one of the ones that's all about the beats and the sounds and not about the vocal itself. Uh, but still a wonderful track. It's the perfect track to put in the middle of an album as well because it's one of the more epic tracks, I think, on the album. And the fun continues as we move into track number 10. Yes, the disco continues with Disco Heat. Inside me, inside me is a flame The burn brighter anytime you can before we get into that track well just a quick apology because the way i introduced that song i think because we were talking about me being a, a disco dj uh, earlier on i got a bit into into that and i kind of was a bit cheesy when i described that song or introed it i would have said a bit more hospital radio actually oh that was the dream back then to be in hospital radio and one of my friends was and i wasn't happy for him i was absolutely livid that he was doing it and i wasn't if there are any radio producers out there that would like us to front a radio show, we'd be very willing. But we are quite picky, so we are thinking Radio 1 or 2. That's probably it. Or XFM? Mm-hmm, yeah. Radio, BBC Radio 6? Music? Uh, yeah, i do that one. Gadio? Well... So, Will, Disco Heat, what did you think? I... This for me, this feels like a spiritual successor to from the girls. It's got the similar sort of undertone running through it. Definitely, I think for me, the the beat really stands out in this one. It feels a little bit more uh, organic, and that as well. The the guitar seems a bit grittier. It reminds me a little bit this one of if you see Hot Chip live, they they still sound fun, like a fantastic dance band, but you just hear the actual instruments a little bit more, and it really made me think of that. And Dan, question for you. What's the hottest disco you've ever been in? And not in terms of the people, but in terms of the temperature. Goodness me, that is a good question. I'd be tempted to say something happening in a tent in Glastonbury or a festival where it's just, uh, it feels like you're, you're melting away. Can you think of yours? I can remember uh, the ghetto uh, before they knocked it down in central London, which is on the site of the new Crossrail station for Tottenham Court Road underneath the Astoria and it was very small packed to the rafters hotter than the sun but one of the most fun places in London that you could be on a Saturday night for wig out which was party all night oh party I... all night <laughs> I just when you talk about these clubs that you used to go to uh, and nights I just uh, well, I'm... don't say it like that it sounds really sounds really seedy 
No, I, I was going to say it was really. I was going to say I, I kind of have a, a little pang of envy because it just sounds like we would have had such a hoot there together. Um, obviously, they're sadly long gone, and we are old and senile. So, track eleven. It's another little instrumental, and you can probably hear a little bit of that playing under this one. And we haven't even got time to talk about that one because it's so short. So, should we move on to track twelve? Yes. So this is certified. instrumental there and i just don't know where to begin in trying to describe some of those sounds but i love them please try to begin because i love you talking about sounds well there was a sort of squirrely swirly squiggly uh electronic sound that sounded like some sort of distorted strings um obviously there was a lovely beat going all the way through uh a tambourine that's quite simple classic i love like comparing notes here i look i put squirrel squirrely and i put swirly as well for some of the synths trying to describe it so really we are on the same page here will there's nothing going on there's absolutely nothing going on or no um but i do love this song though because it for me this feels a little bit like the first time we're hearing new sounds everything else sounded quite similar and great there's nothing wrong with that but it just feel like something else is happening here now and the title of this song is Certified. Have, have you ever been um, certified? Um, I, certified is that to be given a certificate for some of some kind? Is that, would that work? No, I meant more certified insane. I thought that's what you were alluding to. I was just trying to <laughs> creep around it like... Tease um, it out. Like an urban fox. <laughs> Sam Fox. Four. <laughs> Uh, and so track 13 now, and this is what you left on the counter in the chip shop uh, after you successfully managed to get a, an additional Savaloy from the boy in the chip shop at the counter. A love souvenir. So that was Love Souvenir. Again, it feels like just more experimentation with new sounds. This one feels very smooth. It's kind of soul and funk in there. The harp is very prominent. Um, but I, I really like this, this, these new sounds. So two things for me about that song. First of all, I'd love to know where the name Love Souvenir comes from mm. and what the, what the thinking is behind that. Second of all... What a great time to talk about the fantastic album artwork. So I quite like that track, but, I've, but on a strong album, it's probably for me one of the weaker ones. 
Uh, it's an, this is an iconic album cover, and I know it's only from 2007, but I think if you took off the names, the words, and just had his head on the yellow background, you'd know exactly what it was. 100%, yeah. Uh, so it's a bright yellow cover with a black and white, almost looks like a photocopy of a picture of Calvin's head, and he's got sunglasses on, which have yellow dots on. And you've got Calvin Harris, I Created Disco, in that kind of digital, numeric font. I'm sure there's a specific name for that font. Perhaps we'll uh, research afterwards and put it out on the tweets. Yeah, lovely. Lovely the social media tie-in. Lovely. But yeah, I love that album cover. I think it really nicely sums up Calvin Harris at this point, but also a flavour of the album as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, but for this, I really actually like this song. I think, uh, as I said before, it's quite... There's more funk to this one. And I was reading about how he got the name Calvin Harris. Um, and he said that his first single was more of a soul track. And he thought Calvin Harris sounded a bit more racially ambiguous. And that people might not know if he was black or not. And then after that, he was stuck with it. And I think, talking of soul tracks, this definitely feels like one of those. The first single that he's talking about, I don't think it's from this album. I think it's some of the uh, albumless tracks that came before. So I need to... Delve a little deeper into his back catalogue to find out which one it was. I thought Love Souvenir might be, you know, if you go on a date with someone and then one thing leads to another and then they're in the clinic the next day, maybe they've been given a Love Souvenir. I was thinking more Soiled Sheets. <laughs> that sounds like a Pet Shop Boys song. <laughs> <laughs> or the name of a podcast. Right, should we move on to the next song? <laughs> <laughs> so we're on to the last track of the album proper. And this is... It's Calvin himself, Electro Man. had a real run of albums recently that do not peter out and this is no exception i love yeah that. likewise and again it feels like a bit of a different sound to the last two songs and the kind of bulk of what came before it and i have to say will uh, these new sounds i really enjoy them and i think for me if you know if if calvin did come to me for some feedback about the album and what could have been different i think i would have actually removed a couple of the earlier tracks just to show off some of these sounds a little bit earlier, maybe move them up a little bit. Uh, I think actually I would have taken out Vegas would probably be my first choice to take out. Um, what? Yeah. Just because it's so similar you, to... Have you gone mad? No, no, no. I think that would have made it... heat's a, really gotten to you. That would, would have made a lovely um, bonus track on a later edition of the album. Oh, blimey, Dan. <laughs> um, but yeah, this Crazy one... Crazy talk. I like this. It's um, It feels like an electronic man singing i think the heat has got very, to me actually it's very melancholic as well for the first time i think it's really nice to end on a vocal track and not because i think for this album a peter out would be another instrumental so i think for him to come in and actually a quite a in some ways a tender vocal for this yeah a bit more bit more subdued whereas kind of like it's the the girls and accessible in the 80s is a bit more harsh Yes, more forthright. Yes, and good for him, actually. 
so that was the last track on the album. It's time for some further listening. And it changes every week, our rules for further listening. Dan, what are we going for this week? Well, I think we decided that we've spoke before on this episode about how Calvin's sound has changed a lot and there's lots of big hits coming later on. Um, so maybe let's just explore this first era, let's say, because album number two did have some similarities. So further listening for today is a track from album number two. So we're ready for the weekend now. Dan, I'd love for you to go first. Okay, so I'm going to be really honest. I don't, haven't listened to this album for a long, long time. And we didn't make up the rules for further listening until we started recording the episode. So I'm going to go for what I know is a banger. And it is a title track, Ready for the Weekend. So that was Ready for the Weekend. I think the thing I love about that is that for the first time we heard uh, a guest vocalist, not just Calvin singing there, and it brings something else to the song. But also, well, it's only Tuesday, and just after listening to 30 seconds of that, I really am ready for the weekend now. Imagine how elated you'd be if you knocked off after work, you got down the slug and lettuce, you sank a few pints of Peroni, and then this song came on as the sun set and the Friday night lights lit up, you would be in a state of bliss. At this exact moment, Will, it sounds like you're describing like an, an alien planet because that doesn't sound like something we can do here. Well, no, we're a long way from that at the moment. Um, but, and also you'd be on the Prosecco. Yeah, well, or uh, Sex on the Beach. Well, it's hot enough. Uh, so I love this track and I think it is a really nice it starts off a bit chill then it picks up a bit they kind of that feeling of going into the weekend uh, and it was a brilliant way to kick off a second album campaign because it does bridge a gap from the first album into a an involvement of the sound as well definitely and worth pointing out Jess said this is the first track with the guest vocalist wasn't the first single from the album that was I'm Not Alone which came before this one which was just another monster smash wasn't it i think that one was number one actually yes it was this was this was number three so did very well as well and the the singer on this is mary pierce lovely mary lovely mary and will what's your further listening choice i am gonna go for you used to hold me banger to finish on there Dan yeah that definitely is a banger it feels like a very natural evolution from the I created disco sound um, but with more of the sort of dance proper dance edge that would come with later material Um, yeah love it 
this was also the last track that uh, Calvin sang on himself. Oh. From here on out, it was more around him producing with other vocalists. I was going to say, I wondered if he misses it, but the fact that he's made a choice to not do it probably says otherwise. This was also the final single to be released uh, from the album, um, and it uh, didn't do anywhere near as well as any as the three singles that pre- that preceded it. I guess for single number four, you kind of come to expect that, don't you? And then what came next, of course, was the album 18 Months, which had Bounce and Sweet Nothing and I Need Your Love and all those huge songs uh, with lots of special guests. And that's what really sent him into the stratosphere and off to where he is now. Just a word about the performance of this album. It's uh, got really mixed reviews, actually. So on the one hand, you had the likes of NME giving it 7 out of 10 uh, and All Music giving it 4 stars out of 5. However, you then had The Guardian giving it one star uh, and Drowned in Sound giving it one out of ten. Very divisive. Why do you think it was so divisive? I don't know. I guess it was quite different at the time. Well, no, it was different because... I'm really thinking how to put this in words. It did sound like some of the music of the time, but I guess he put his own spin on it. It was very DIY. Um, I, I don't know. I'm surprised The Guardian was so critical because normally this would be right. This sort of sound of music is right up their streets. Some of their reviewers, as anyway. I would say they've probably changed their mind on it now. If they've done a, a retrospective review, I would imagine they've changed their tune a little bit. We're out of time. We are. So that was our first romp through a Calvin Harris collection. Do let us know what you thought to that at Track by Track UK on Twitter and various other social media platforms. And if you're enjoying what you're listening to, and we really hope you do, please give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think. We'd also love to hear your new music picks and your suggestions of things we can add to our long list. Not that we're running out of ideas. No, no. Far from it. Uh, But, you know, we constantly think of new albums, and I'm sure you have all got ideas as well. So let's get them out there. And Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to who's coming up next time? Yeah, so next, um, it's a British, another kind of indie electro dance band. Uh, This is their, I think it's their fifth studio album, but their last studio album was our number one album of 2019. Oh yeah, I had to think for a second there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we look forward to seeing you again or hearing from you again, or we look forward to you hearing us again very soon. So until next time, I've been Adam Wiles. And I've been Electro Man. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.